0: Welcome to the 3Ls Podcast, where I, your host, Rachel Ann Dine, Licensed Professional Counselor, am here to share thoughtful commentary and strategies to help you with the big 3Ls of life, living, learning, and loving. Each episode, join in as a different psychological or current hot topic is explored with the hope of helping you live well, learn something that aids in personal growth or understanding, and love yourself or others in a way that honors you. Are you a fan of nutrient-dense wellness too? Let me tell you all about one of my favorite sources of adaptogens, Four Sigmatic, who uses a variety of mushrooms in everyday products. Reishi, Lion's Mane, and Shaga all have been shown to help with thinking, immune system support, and gut support. I use these plant-based products every day in my smoothies and coffee, and you can too. Use code BEWELL for 10% off your purchase at us.foursigmatic.com. Again, that's bewell at us.forsigmatic.com. Before I get started today with this particular bonus episode, I just want to put out the caveat statement that in no way, shape or form is this episode meant to be in lieu of individualized clinical supervision. Nor is it to be any kind of medical or legal advice that these are my own thoughts on the subject matter at hand. If you are interested in receiving more individualized feedback, it is highly encouraged that you reach out to your own clinical supervisor, medical or legal provider. And then the second piece is that if you enjoyed this episode, which I really hope that you do, I would be so grateful if you would rate my podcast on Apple specifically. When we get those ratings specifically, ratings that have written words to them. It really boosts your overall ability to be seen within the podcast playing settings. So if you could just take a quick moment, whether you pause this episode now and rate or at your next convenience, I would be so grateful. And as always, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome back to a bonus episode of the 3Ls podcast. I actually got in a question from a very lovely listener. And so I'm going to just share a little bit about the question briefly. And today's episode kind of centers around therapeutic interventions and working in the therapeutic setting. But I thought that this was a great question because I know I think about this quite a bit. I've talked to other therapists where, um, we always want to make sure that we're doing what's in the client's best interest and part of the therapeutic relationship can sometimes breed a phenomenon called a self-disclosure. And it's essentially when a therapist decides to disclose something about themselves on a personal level, something they've gone through, something maybe they are going through. And there are some what I think are helpful kind of strategies and tips when it comes to deciding whether or not to self-disclose To your own therapeutic client. And so, the question that I will share, and I'm going to keep it anonymous, but this individual asked me, you know, today I'd like to hear some tips about mental health counseling. I'm in the middle of studying mental health, and one of my clients asked me, to have a session and she seems to be having some difficulties right now i know that my job is to listen and give some information to her that's based in scientific perspectives. Absolutely. And sometimes I do tend to give people some information that's based upon my own experiences. And I'm wondering if this is okay to do and if this happens to you and what you think about it. And so absolutely, I think that um, this to me just speaks to the act of self-disclosing, about using our own experiences as human beings. Because first and foremost, as a therapist, I'm a human first. Just like if you're a therapist listening in, you're a human first. And then we have a role of being a therapist. But we have been through things in our lives that – have either helped us or hurt us, or we've learned from certain situations. And sometimes it's interesting when you are a therapist, you attract people who are either like you or just have that shared common experience of going through situations that you have gone through and either successfully overcome or Maybe in retrospect, you look back and realize, hmm, I probably could have handled that differently. And I, you know, should I share this with a client who's going through something really similar? So, just to hammer it in before I jump in on what my answer is. And that was a great question, by the way. So, thank you so much for sharing. If you listening ever have a question, don't hesitate, shoot me an email. I always link my best email in the show notes, or you can also direct message me on Instagram and I'll keep it anonymous. But anyways, thanks for giving me that question. So at its root, and this was a great definition to me that came from ct.counseling.org, self-disclosure is an act that involves revealing oneself. And Carl Rogers, who is one of the um, theory leaders in psychology, he really developed Rogerian-centered counseling, which is definitely a a modality and a um, theoretical orientation that I subscribe to, he always said that if your words aren't honest and authentic, then your words aren't therapeutic. And I think that that could go in so many different directions. So that's a piece about therapy that can be somewhat tricky sometimes from maybe even the client perspective, is that sometimes you may not necessarily hear what you want to hear, but the role of the therapist is not to be a friend, um, but to be someone who gives unbiased and helpful feedback and reflection statements and point out things that maybe somebody else who's not as objective in your life would point out. So, from, from my perspective, the act of self-disclosing in a session, I am not against it by any means, but I think that it really, really boils down to the individual level and the relationship that you've built up in the therapeutic setting. I also think that when self-disclosing to a client something that has personally happened to you in your life as a therapist, is kind of asking, is what I'm about to say, is it going to instill hope for my client? Is it going to normalize a situation that, hey, we are all human. I used to struggle with this. And then from going to my own therapy, I was able to overcome it. Or this is how I dealt with a difficult situation. So I get it. I understand where you're coming from. So is what you're about to share, is it instilling a sense of hope? Or, you know, what what exactly is the purpose behind sharing? And because like I said, at the end of the day, if you're a therapist and you're listening in, you're human. You've gone through your own things in life that have helped shape who you are. You've had your own family dynamics around um in, in your own family dynamics and events in your life that have shaped who you are. And so I, I don't think, you know, in grad school, I was always kind of taught to be that blank slate, you know, even watch how much you're emotionally reacting, Um, watch what you're bringing into this session, whether or not you want to support certain brands. And, you know, I I agree. I I think everything needs to be kind of intentional, but also after being in the field for so many years, it's, I definitely humanized myself. I think most of my clients would say that I kind of present just, as a fellow human being who happens to be a therapist. And so some rules, some things that I kind of do for myself when it comes to self-disclosing that I thought might be helpful in answering the question uh, that was shared. And I just came up with a couple. So the first one, the first rule I have for myself, when I'm about to self-disclose, I do a quick mental calculation. And I ask myself, is this in the client's best interest? Is what I'm about to share either something that I have, you know, dealt with and it's to be validating to the client or is it, you know, what, what is it in the client's best interest? To me, that's the first rule of thumb. Anything that you decide to self-disclose at the end of the day in the session should be for your client's benefit. In no way should it be something that you're seeking your own advice or feedback on from your client. I think that that creates kind of a strange dynamic. They are coming to you for help. And if you're looking to them to seek help and feedback, that's when I think maybe we need to check ourselves as clinicians and either get hooked up with your own therapist or reach out to somebody who you trust. So before self-disclosing, checking in, am I sharing this because it's in the client's best interest? Which leads me to another rule of thumb that I always like to keep in mind is I think it's important to really watch out and Ask yourself, am I currently going through this situation that I'm about to disclose? Or is this this something that is currently causing me anxiety or difficulty? If it is a current presenting problem for you, I tend to stray away from sharing things in the present moment. Okay, so I think about the example. Let's say that you're a therapist and you are going through a divorce and it's a nasty nasty breakup. Or another example would be you're a therapist and you're leaving the agency that you work for and there's a lot of animosity, there's a lot of ill will and your client comes to the comes to you. And they are also going through a divorce or they are also about to leave their job. Now, if you bring up, well, to be honest, I'm actually about to leave this job or I'm actually leaving my partner. And I think it opens up the door for them to question you, well, what have you done? How have you been handling it? And if not careful, the session can almost start to become about you. And so that's why one of my rules of thumb is if you decide to self-disclose, it should always be something that's already been resolved in your life. And it kind of goes back to that reasoning behind your why. Why am I disclosing? Because you're instilling hope. You know, if you are a therapist and you're going through your own divorce, maybe you've had a previous negative relationship prior to this divorce. You've been through it, you've gotten out of it, and you feel totally resolved. And as, in a way to instill hope, you're going to share, you know, to be honest with you, I have been in this kind of relationship before, um... I I did it, and it was hard for me, so I can only imagine how difficult it has been for you to try to leave your partner, which brings me to another another tip is, okay, you're there. You're in session. You've decided to self-disclose. You've got your situation that you want to share with your client. You are wanting to instill hope. You're wanting to normalize a situation for your client and let them know they're not alone and you're about to share, here's here's the rule of thumb, be sparing on the details. Remember always that the session is your client's time. It's not your time. It's not your time to be receiving feedback from your client on a current situation that you're going through or even a past situation that's already been resolved. It's their time. They don't need to know what you wore the day that you left your spouse or, um, where you were living or how much money you were making or, you know, details of that nature. So self-disclosing to me can be as simple and powerful as a one to two sentence statement and then quickly turning it back on to the client and saying, how do you feel that I just shared that with you? I'm telling you this To to validate that you're not alone, that there are plenty of people that have gone through A, B, and C, whatever the case may be. The other piece is um, when I self-disclose, and I think many people could vouch for this, I always state my reason for sharing. (laughs) So I'll say, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to know that you're not alone. I'm sharing this with you because I just want to validate you that X, Y, and Z is hard. Um... I think it's really important. It just goes back to always knowing your intention behind why you're sharing what you are sharing. And for me, the goal of treatment, the goal of therapy, the goal of me being a therapist is to always try to foster a really strong sense of self-efficacy within each client that I see. I want them to feel so empowered. I want them to feel really good about their decisions. I don't want to ever be in the position where I'm giving advice, kind of like the question um, that was asked of me. They, You made the great point of saying, I know that I should be giving information that's backed in you know, empirically evidenced, researched techniques. And that's what separates us from being a friend or a family member, because if somebody wants advice, then that's when you can call up your girlfriend and say, hey, what do you think I should do about this? A really helpful tip, if somebody asks you, and sometimes people in session will just laugh at me because they already know what I'm going to say, you know, it happens. Somebody will say, "Um, so what do you think I should do? How do you think I should handle this situation? And my almost always go-to response is, well, how do you feel like you should handle the situation? So for the person who sent the question in, I just think about if self-disclosing is coming up a lot or you're constantly having folks ask you, what should I do? How should I handle the situation? That's when we... We put it back on the client and say, well, how do you feel like you should handle this situation? Remember, the goal is to always foster a sense of self efficacy and a sense of empowerment and helping folks to own their life, own their decisions that they're making. And I think that if not careful, this is where that power differential comes into play. So if we're to say, well, I think you should leave them, or I think that you should leave your job, um and then they leave it and they're upset about it. Why did I listen to my therapist? They said I should leave it, leave my job. And now I'm miserable. I can't find another one or whatever the situation may be. It can come back to you. I mean, so there's even some, you know, litigious reasons, um, on why we should not be giving advice or telling someone what we as humans feel like they should do. I think everyone is their own best expert. That's definitely um, the kind of acceptance and commitment therapist in me. But I think we need to foster that sense of everyone kind of knowing what their own next best step is because we don't live in anybody else's shoes on a day-to-day basis we get a tiny little snapshot of their life you know an hour a week if that an hour every two weeks an hour a month and we're not the person living their life so those are my rules of thumb um and I'll go through them really quickly so if you self disclose it should only be in the client's best interest if you do decide to self-disclose, which I'm a fan of, like I've said, this episode is hopefully didn't come across as me demonizing self-disclosure because I absolutely do not. Um, but if you decide to self-disclose, make sure that it's not necessarily a current situation that's unresolved, but that it's a past situation that you've dealt with, you've emotionally processed it, it is done. Um, and you're you're just sharing it to instill that sense of hope or normalize something for your client. Understand and even get into the practice of stating your reason for sharing. I'm sharing this with you because I want to validate you. How do you feel that I just shared that with you? You can check in. Be sparing on those details. They don't need to know every little nook and cranny of the situation if it's not going to benefit them to know where you were living, what you were wearing, how much money you were making, who your friends were blah, 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 then we're, we're straying too far into, um, superfluous excessive details that may not be a best benefit. So be sparing on the details and remember this is their time, not yours. And, um, yeah, so yeah, definitely. So this is their time and not yours. And just understanding that you're as a therapist, Allowed to use your own best clinical judgment when it comes to all of this on self disclosure. The last couple of questions I'll share from ctcounseling.org just to help you in your quest um, to decide to self disclose or not self disclose are, and let me pull this up because I had found a really great article. Um, It kind of went along with what I had already shared. Um, But again, let me see here. It is, I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. Is is the disclosure grounded in theory? So can you somehow tie it back to your theoretical orientation or your theoretical modalities that you're using? Is there any way to keep the locus of the experience within the client's world? Okay. So this one to me kind of goes into what I suggested. The more that we start start to share a bunch of details, personal effects about ourselves, is that really keeping the locus of the experience within the client's world? Or is it starting to bring it more so into our, our world and what we went through? And then lastly, just always considering, and they give give this suggestion how will the disclosure affect the therapeutic relationship and that's why i think getting to know someone and understanding them is always going to be important prior to self disclosing i don't know if i would self disclose in the first session i think that that's your intake session that's when you're really getting to know someone that's where you can even set up kind of the boundaries so In the first session, maybe somebody asks you, okay, this is my problem. What do you think I should do? And that's when you can kind of explain, you know, hey, I'm not really here to give advice. Um, I'm here to kind of be a guide and walk alongside of you and provide you some strategies and interventions that I think will be individualized and catered to you. So, let me let me phrase it back to you. What do you think you should do? How do you feel like you should handle the, handle this current situation? And most of the time, I would say 90% of the time, when I ask that question, the other person, the client, my client knows what they should do. And so to be able to verbalize it out loud though is very empowering. I'm not taking on the role as mom or best friend or sister or aunt. It's, it's an exchange of information that's different from what a regular conversation would be like. So we're recreating the corrective experience in the therapeutic setting. So I hope that this has been helpful You know if you like I said if you ever have a question, please don't hesitate to reach out This is just my little two cents when it comes to self-disclosing And before I get done for today I just want to circle back because I thought that this was so fascinating. You guys know I just talked about the abuse of power and I found this article, I've been following it, you know, on Google, if you're constantly looking at research pieces and articles, they start kind of sending you (laughs) suggestions. And so this article popped up from VanityFair.com and it's all about the Bill and Melinda Gates divorce. And, you know, speaking of, just talking about all the the abuse of power and how it comes to be, how there must be the element of narcissism present. There must be the lack of checks and balances, total power and control over something. And some of the, I'm going to share some of this from the article because it's just so on point. Um, a lot of the employees have come forward and talked about how Gates had liberal use of non-disclosure agreements. So those NDAs where basically somebody has to sign a document stating that they're not going to share any information. And it basically, one of the employees even said, for such a long time, you were told you have an NDA, you can't talk. And this was from a former employee who had signed such an agreement. And I just thought that this was interesting. And there was always this constant threat, it seems like. That if somebody spoke up around Gates's behavior and encouraged someone to open up against him, they were all made or they were all keenly aware that Gates had lawyers at the ready and somebody quoted, and these are not nice lawyers. So. Gates is definitely somebody who had all those elements. Am I saying that he um, abused his power? Me personally? No, not necessarily. But I am reading a bunch of literature where people are coming forward and talking about it. And I guess it just kind of goes to show that they're still out there and it's still happening. And um, if you ever get into this situation where you feel uncomfortable or feel like something's going on... That shouldn't be that I always want you to feel empowered to speak up. And whether it is even speaking up to your therapist and talking about a game plan on how you can um, navigate a difficult situation. But then the last thing I'll share is that I am very impressed and proud of how Melinda Gates is navigating this situation. Apparently, when she found out that he was in some kind of relationship you know whether it was business or otherwise with jeffrey epstein melinda hired lawyers and set her plan into motion and this is taken from vanity fair so she knew um and she's very brave for kind of coming out with that and there were even since 2018 and the times even reported that melinda was unhappy with how bill Bill Gates had dealt with a sexual harassment claim against his longtime money manager and insisting on bringing it in outside investigators. And then in 2019, that's when the relationship between her husband and Epstein came into public knowledge. And I think Melinda was just done. Um, Apparently, Bill Gates had a history of unfaithfulness and infidelities. Uh, Vanity Fair says that his infidelities were no secret to many of the people around him. Yet another source close to Bill disputed that he would disappear from the office, saying he was one of the most intensely scheduled people on the planet. So no matter what happened, and I'm not here to say what exactly happened, but it's just interesting because most people who abuse their sense of power just like anybody who is physically abusive, emotionally abusive, it's like they all follow this sort of um, handbook, if you will, where the traits of each person may be slightly different, but for the most part, They're actually the same like how the behaviors unfold may be different But what somebody actually does is pretty similar and so go back and listen to the abuse of power episode If you're interested in hearing more about The toxic triangle and kind of those elements that go into a toxic leader um, but yeah, I just want to share that with you because I you know I've been following it and kind of interested in what's going to happen all right. Thanks for tuning in today. Give me some feedback. Feel free to also shoot me a question. It doesn't even have to be about necessarily a therapeutic intervention, although I'm happy to talk on something to the best of my ability, but it can also be thoughts on an episode. And i um, just excited to be back this season. And as always, you take care and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in to the three L's today. Catch up with me on Instagram at Rachel and Counseling, where you can contact me about a topic or follow up on today's episode. As always, the information provided in this episode is for educational purposes only and not intended to treat or diagnose. Reach out to your own medical or legal provider for assistance in individualized care. Here's to the three L's and being empowered to make decisions that work for you in your life.